In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello, and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. Today's kind of a fun day. Actually, yesterday was technically the day based on when this is dropping. It was my birthday. And because I kind of got robbed of two years of birthday parties and having a milestone birthday during a pandemic is not really overly glamorous. So I thought this year, I'm not going to wait on a big celebration. I'm going to create my own little celebration. I decided I wanted to do something to celebrate differently. On February 1st, I kicked off the 42 days to my birthday, hoping that on my birthday, I would celebrate something, a milestone, an accomplishment of something. The thing that I decided to celebrate was 42 days to 42 hours outside. And I have been doing this as part of my 1000 hours outside challenge. My family is doing it. Let's be real, I'm doing it. And the boys blew me out of the water in January. So they decided they don't need to keep track of their hours anymore. But I was like, Oh my gosh, I this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. But I'm happy to report largely due to the igloo that I built most of February, that I have spent over 60 hours outside over the last 42 days. And I'm merely four hours away from my 100 hours outside milestone for 2022. So again, been counting these hours since the beginning of the year. And this is kind of fun because it's less about indulging in something to escape and more for me to celebrate something that I'm getting better at. And in the process, it's actually making me better. There is significant research that shows the countless benefits of spending time outdoors. And today's episode is yet another example. In 2016, Amy left behind a life as she knew it and moved with her husband and two sons to Alaska, looking for a fresh start and more time in the great outdoors. While Amy had a background as a reporter, editor, runner, and army wife, she was not necessarily an expert in designing a life in all things outdoorsy. She created Humans Outside podcasts to help people like her get outside and love it. But just talking about it wasn't enough. Since September 2017, she spent at least 20 consecutive minutes outside every single day. She's also the host of Humans Outside podcast, where she talks with outdoor-minded guests. And when she's not outside or hosting the podcast, she's the executive editor of Military.com. Amy Bischoutz, welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. Thank you so much for having me. Love it. So glad to be here to chat. Yeah. So I'm just curious. I mean, I feel like we're friends, even though we haven't met, but I was reading your bio and I was like, I feel like you could uphold the title of Adventure Supermom. Is that? (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Hearing you read that was really exhausting for me. (laughs) (laughs) So kind of sidebar right off the bat, you know, just for fun. I know you listen to Gretchen Rubin or you're a Gretchen Rubin fan. I'm just curious. Big old fan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you an upholder? I am an upholder. Mm-hmm. I was just curious. You seem like a rule follower in some way, shape, or form, but like have to figure things out. So I was just curious. Yeah, I'm an upholder, like with this little lean towards questioner. Okay. So if it does not pass the logic test that as determined by me. So right. for example, 
I decided last year I wanted to do an ultra distance race. What I really wanted to do was the 50 miler in 2020, but Mm -hmm. I had to have hip surgery to repair a torn labrum. And so that got side railed. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do the 50 miler this year in 2021. And a friend of mine who's crazy, but when you're surrounded by crazy people, by the way, everything (laughs) seems not crazy. So I have some friends who are crazy and they have done the 100 miler version of this particular run many, many times. And so I said, I'm going to do the 50. And they said, why would you do the 50 if you could do the 100? If you do the 50, it's point to point. You have to drive back to the start line. (laughs) And I said, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. Like, why would you want to drive if you could just run back? So therefore, (laughs) I registered for the 100. Now, under no other circumstance would that be logical, right? Like, duh. Like, why are you not driving back? That's stupid. You're going to run back? Come on. By the way, this year, I'm going to try the 50 miler. (laughs) (laughs) Well, even the act of like training for a 50 miler or a 100 miler, I did 26 a couple of times. I'm good. You know, I applaud you for even considering it because that's Yeah, I think context is king. The 100-miler training was so time-consuming that the 50 is going to seem like a vacation. (laughs) Yeah, now looking back, right, it's always better. Imagine if you just ran a marathon. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so I didn't mean to derail us right away, but I just thought it was fascinating. I was like, oh, I'm just curious. And for those of my listeners, just for the record, I don't know that we've talked about Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies is what we're referring to. So there's four of them upholder, obliger, questioner, and rebel. I'm a rebel, by the way. It's probably not shocking to my listeners. But anyway, I didn't want to like go down the whole rabbit trail on that. But if you don't know what I'm talking about with four tendencies, it's actually pretty fascinating. You might want to check it out. Yeah. And I love me a personality test too. It's not, she'll say it's not a personality test, but it is. So I know (laughs) anything like personal development like that for me is like, I could just soak it all up. You name it. I've done it. I've done them all. I know Myers-Briggs. I know colors. I know (laughs) four tendencies. I've done them. I love them. Anyway, let's talk about Through the Lens of Adventure. I have listened to your story, and I'm going to link up, if you're okay with that, the Outdoor Magazine podcast episode that you did with your husband. Oh, yeah. Just to tell a little bit of a background, but I know the way potentially that you landed in Alaska wasn't necessarily something that was like your dream or that was planned, it kind of came through a trauma or challenging life scenario. Do you want to talk a little bit about what inspired you or what was kind of the motivation to spend more time outdoors? Yeah, sure. So it's funny how things in retrospect look so clearly like running away, but at the time it's problem solving. So Mm, yeah. (laughs) So in retrospect, it looks a lot like running away. This is very normal behavior, by the way. People 100% run away from stuff and come to Alaska. Alaska is full of people who ran away from something and ended up here because it's very far away. And it seems like a great place to go and hide from, from your problems. Of course, spoiler alert, problems are not location specific always. Yeah. That's a whole different discussion about, you know, how your life can reflect problems that are location specific versus personal problems. Mm -hmm. And I did, in the end, find that a change of scenery was what we needed and that my problems did not follow me because when we left Clarksville, Tennessee and moved up here in 2016, we also left the active duty army. Okay, so 
background here, which would be that my husband is, he's currently in the Alaska Army National Guard. He's an infantryman and he had been in the active duty army. So in 2009 and right until, I mean, really like the very end of 2009, he was in Afghanistan where his unit that he was in had a lot of people die. In the army, they call them casualties. That's usually a term that can also refer to injuries. They had a lot of casualties. They had both a lot of people die and they had a lot of people get very seriously injured. And when you're surrounded by that being the circumstance, we're talking guys losing their legs, guys not coming home or coming home in a casket, your contextual situation where you see your own injuries is not real clear. So he had been blown up several times. He walked away from that and he felt like he was fine compared to everyone else Mm -hmm. or many people. So what he actually walked away with was post-traumatic stress disorder, which makes perfect sense considering what was happening, and a traumatic brain injury, which again makes perfect sense considering what was happening. But because his unit was full of so many other more catastrophically injured people, many of the individuals who experienced those blasts and explosions did not get care for TBI because they did not seek care for TBI. Yeah. So fast forward to 2013, we were stationed at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, where he was under a lot of stress at work. He had been told he was going to deploy again. And instead of deploying, he had emergency heart surgery to put a couple of stints in his heart. We're talking about like a 30, you know, one 32 year old dude here needs heart surgery. And so that's just the kind of stress that he was under. So what we know now, of course, is there is research saying that heart conditions can be caused by a traumatic brain injury. They're linked to that. I had absolutely no idea at the time that he even had any of these things. He's gone so much. There's so much stress at work. You learn just to absorb what's going on in your home as part of life because it's Mm -hmm. a slow drip. It's not like you wake up one day and somebody's a totally different person. They slowly became that different person. And so his traumatic brain injury looked like forgetting that the stove was on and leaving without his breakfast and losing his wallet over and over and over again. But to me, these were just, you know, oh, he's busy. Oh, he's stressed. And then his post-traumatic stress disorder looked like treating his problems with whatever made him feel good, which over time became him having an affair. And Mm -hmm. so he cheated on me with a fellow soldier. And anyone who's ever been in that circumstance just knows how just the pain involved in that and the heartbreak. And, you know, I woke up in, you know, 2014, 2015 with a big decision to make, you know, if I was going to stay, if I was going to go. And I was totally okay with making the decision to go. But I also really wanted to see if there was a way to repair that relationship. And so he started to get treatment, started to get help. You know, I went through a lot of friends and families of addicts meetings to learn to think about this as a sick person, not a bad person even though he had really hurt me, obviously, quite catastrophically. Yeah. But after a while, we realized that what we needed to do was for him to get out of the Army so that he could really focus on recovery. And when you get out of the Army, my goodness, it's great because, (laughs) one, you're not in the (laughs) Army anymore. But two, they will move you with some parameters in there pretty much anywhere you want to go. And so we decided that we didn't really have any reason to go back to either of our homes, you know, of origin, mine pretty much wasn't a thing anymore. My family had moved on. And 
his was in the middle of Ohio and there just wasn't a lot of opportunity for what we wanted to do there. And we also realized that he experienced a lot of relief from his injuries by spending time outside. And so, you know, you find this like spark, this glimmer at the end of the tunnel of something that might be working for you and you just, you hunt it down. And I was like a dog after a bone on that. So, you know, I'm looking at him. He will go outside. He likes to go outside. Outside seems to be working. Let's go outside more. And so given the breadth of possibilities, we could literally live anywhere we wanted. My job was completely mobile and he wanted to do outside stuff. We decided that he could go get his master's degree using his army benefits through the GI Bill, and he should look at getting a master's degree in outdoor and environmental education so that he could spend more time outside, essentially. There are not very many programs that do a master's level on that. And so we sort of whittled down from there, applied around, and decided really what we wanted to do was move to Alaska. We'd never been here before, ever. Nope. Had never been. <laughs> well, thank you for that entire backstory, because I think it's easy to look at, you know, you're running away from something like you mentioned, but there's more to the story, right? It wasn't just, oh, we're going to go to Alaska and all of our problems are going to be gone. There's obviously a lot of baggage that you brought with you and had to work through. And Alaska is remote and is very different, but you don't have to necessarily go to Alaska to have potentially the results that you've had. Is that a correct statement or is that where you're kind of landing today yeah. now that you've been there a few years? Absolutely. You know, I would say if you want to, it depends what you're trying to do. Okay. Right. So I really needed to get out of Clarksville, Tennessee and away from everywhere there that bad things had happened to me. I actually did need a new location. I could have moved two hours down the road and found that, but I decided not to do that. So it depends why you're leaving. And then the next thing I would say is if your point of this is to simply put yourself in a position where you can spend more time outside. Maybe a change of scenery is great, but I would say that more important is a change of mindset. Mm -hmm. And you can do that wherever you are right now. Yeah. I actually like you giving the backstory too, because as you mentioned, there's a lot of stuff that's happening both for you and your husband. And, you know, I coined the term adventure therapy. I don't know that that's actually a term. If it is, I'm not skilled enough to talk about it. So please like disclaimer note, I'm not qualified to be calling it adventure therapy, but it almost seems like there's something magical about the outdoors that has healing properties. And I think we're starting to see that, you know, with Canada starting to issue national park passes as part of mental health treatment. And I'm just assuming you didn't necessarily know that that was going to be the solution, but you kind of learned your way through it. Is that a fair assumption? Yeah. I think that when you know something feels good and has benefits, you just know right? Because you're accessing it and you're using it and you get this hint of this seems better. I feel good. And we are conditioned as humans to do things that make us feel good. So it is a lucky day when the thing you find that makes you feel good is actually good for you because there's a world of stuff out there that is destructive. You know, as my family has learned, just because it feels good doesn't mean it is good. I would say actually there is such a thing as adventure therapy. So an important distinction here would be, two: there is therapeutic adventure, and then there is adventure therapy. One is what we're talking about, where going outside makes you feel good and is functioning as a form of therapy for you. And the other one involves actual trained professionals guiding you through that sort of thing. So I've actually had on my podcast on Humans Outside, a gal named Judith Stadora. She's a licensed mental health practitioner, and she conducts adventure therapy, 
with inner city kids. And that was a fascinating conversation because she really laid out the differences between those. So my understanding of this brought to you by her. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll link that in the show notes too, because I think that's the type of thing if you want to dive deeper down this, it is a thing. A lot of resources going behind it. So thank you. Now you come to Alaska and you start this challenge. Did you plan on starting it a challenge or was it just kind of your personal, I'm going to do this thing to see if I can do this thing, (laughs) right? So humans outside, let's talk about it. Yeah. You and I are kind of junkies for personality tests, right? So yeah. (laughs) I know nothing about going halfway. I know nothing about easing myself in. It's cold turkey or no turkey for Amy. So <laughs> so when I realized in 2017, and we had lived here almost exactly a year, that I was not going outside as much as I had thought I would, I had this sort of moment sitting at my porch table in the rain, no less. I mean, it's like starting to drip rain. It's like 55 degrees. It's Memorial Day weekend, maybe even colder than that. I had a bad attitude. Let's not lie. (laughs) And I was just sort of sitting there asking myself, what the heck did you move here for? You moved all the way across, basically across, you know, the world, it's thousands and thousands of miles away to do what? To sit and hide in your house and wish the weather would be better? Come on. And I decided, okay, So what happens if you just spend, just make yourself go outside every day between now and Labor Day? Just give it a try. See what happens. See if you can do it. See if you feel better. See if you can rise above this crappy weather. So that's what I did. I mean, I did not have a benchmark of time for that. There was definitely one day that it was raining and I had a bad attitude and I stood outside with my coffee cup and a rain jacket for five minutes on my porch (laughs) and then said, that's good. And went back inside. Okay. (laughs) So I thought at the end of that, I had had a really good experience by and large. I did feel better. I liked how many new things I had done. You know, in pursuit of this, I had taken my kids on a picnic. I had gone for a walk on a trail in my town that I had never been at before. I had really focused on trying to do an array of options, especially since it was the summer and so many pleasant things were available to me. And I really had a good time. And so I was not ready to stop my habit. And I kind of wondered what would happen if I kept doing it for a year. But also I like rules. And as we talked (laughs) about Gretchen Rubin earlier, one of her initial work was in a book called The Happiness Project, where she Mm -hmm. sets out to explore if certain things will make her happier over the year. And she does these little experiments every month, you know, under a subject. So one month, for example, she meditated. And when she did this, she set out rules for herself to follow as a part of her challenge. And that sounded like a really important step to me because I knew from the five minutes on the porch in the rain that one day that when the weather got bad, I was not going to do the length I said I was going to do. I was going to cut it off and do the bare minimum. And I wanted the bare minimum to be more than five minutes because frankly, it takes five minutes to even find your stuff, much less put it (laughs) on. So I did some research. At the time, there was very limited research on this, but what was out there said a good quote unquote dosage, that's the term that's used of outdoor time, looks like something around 20 minutes a day. And I also picked 20 minutes a day because I thought it was something I would actually do Yeah. 45. That'd be great. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. That's not happening. Let's be real. Because as you read my bio earlier, when I was panicking (laughs) because of how busy I am, (laughs) 
you know, you realize like there are constraints. There are days that 20 minutes is hard to find. There just are. So I picked 20 minutes because I thought it was something I would actually do. And then I set out to do it. And, you know, as a part of that, my little accountability piece for me was that I was going to post a photo every day on Instagram. I started using the hashtag humansoutside365 as a part of that because I wanted a way to find my own photos later. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Awesome. And it took off. And I'm kind of laughing because I've been to Alaska in the summer. Like you said, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. You know, things are blooming. Life is good. There's a lot of daylight. September's a hard time to start a challenge like that. So I'm also thinking, what did you end up doing? You talked a little bit about it, but what does one do? Are you that adventurous kicking off that you're just outside running or you're skiing? I see you skiing now, but I'm assuming that wasn't how it all started. Did you find that it was okay to just sit outside for 20 minutes? Did you give yourself permission to just be outside or did you have kind of in your head what you had to do outside? Yeah. So outside is outside. So yes, permission to sit outside is totally fine. I'm laughing because I'm remembering a picture from that first week where I was like, I'm going to do this for a year. It is a picture of me standing in my running clothes in pouring rain. I signed up for a couple of weeks of a running club where they went and had to do different trails. And the first night of this, it's like September 4th or 5th or something. It is just deluge. I would never in a million years have been out there running in that had I not planned that as my daily outdoor time for that day. And then, of course, it was the end of the day and it was too late to do something else. So stuff like that does happen. You know, I gave myself permission to do whatever I wanted. But the reality is I had spent several months of not necessarily ideal weather, certainly warmer than it can be, doing stuff outside every day. And so I knew that I had an array of options. We live right next to a high school. The high school has a cross-country course on it. Unlike some places in the U.S., this particular cross-country course and most of them here in Alaska look a lot like trails in the woods. Our kids do not run on cross-country on golf courses or anything like that. They run through the bushes, basically. So these are sort of wide paths. They also double as ski trails in the wintertime. And so I knew if all else fails, I can go for a walk in the woods. And I did that quite a lot. I did want to push myself to try new things that first year because I thought, you know, if I'm going to push myself to get out there, I might as well, you know, try an array of new things and see if I like them. So I did learn to cross-country ski um, in the classic style, which uh, if you've ever seen, let's see, if you've watched the Olympics and the mm-hmm. people racing on cross-country skis, when their feet go for- forwards and backwards, that is the classic style. And when they are like skating, that's called skate skiing. The classic style is much easier. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I did learn to do that. You know, I took like one lesson and decided that it was way too cold for that nonsense. But I could take those skis into the woods where I live and just tootle around a little bit. Let's see what else did I do that first year. We signed up for a thing on our local military base where you could try dog sledding. That was big Mm. fun. I went out and did a glacier tour one day. I signed up for this really great course. I'm pretty sure every state has this. It's called Becoming an Outdoor Woman. It is often sponsored by your state fish and game department. And in Alaska, they do a retreat and it is three days and you go up with a bunch of other women to a camp. In this case, it is a Bible camp that rents out their facilities and they have three days of classes on all sorts of stuff. 
I tried skinning and hide prep, which was an indoor activity. But the top thing I learned on that was that I will not be doing that in the future. So (laughs) I am glad I did it. I took a chainsawing course at that thing. I've never chainsawed anything in my life. I don't do a lot of chainsawing now. Man, that was fun and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I mean, I tried all sorts of new things. I tried downhill skiing, which I'm sort of famously on record on national TV as saying I would never, ever, 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 ever do again. Nonetheless, we are going to do that again in a week. And I do it (laughs) as often as I can justify now. It still scares the crap out of me. But one of the benefits of spending so much time outside and making yourself try new things is that new things no longer seem quite so scary. Thank you. Those are all just insightful because I think we also get stuck in a rut too. It's easy to just like, oh, I guess I got to go for a hike. I like to sit on the swings. We've done some different things. I think it was really during COVID that we started to realize, I guess we were kind of stuck in our rut as to what we thought we could do. And then Mm. I've lived on this property. So I'm in Northeast Wisconsin. I've lived on the property that I currently live on for almost 30 years. And yet we did things during quarantine that I never knew existed in my own backyard. You know, like we paddled out into the swampy area that I'd never been to. And it was just kind of fascinating when you realize what is outside your door and you actually are intentional about exploring it. Mm-hmm. Just so many more opportunities open up to you. And, you know, in our community and we've discovered things well, across the country as well. <laughs> that intentionality, though, of just going outside, you start to see things that maybe you might have been blinded to or were in blind spots before. Right. And I love the fact that you say, you know, this retreat, I don't know if it's available, but I certainly am going to check that out because what an awesome opportunity to be exposed to just things that may have been outside your comfort zone. But much like learning, the more you do it, the better you get, the less uncomfortable it is, right? It's it's amazing what you find when you start looking for it. It's just the practice of being aware and intentional. And so if you say, I am going to go outside and I would like to once a week go to a new to me park in my county, just your county, okay? Maybe to do this, you make a list of the parks in your county. Let's say you check through all of those and you think, okay, so I've been through all these. I know that some of them are great and some of them are not. So what about the great ones that I'd like? And are there trails there? Could I do every trail in these particular parks? And that might look like a three-quarter mile paved walking trail around the park, around a playground. It could look like a nature walk with signage in the woods. But you're going to discover that there are trails, that there are parks that you didn't know about. And you're going to discover some of your new favorite places. We have in my town, it's a tiny little postage stamp town, okay, a arbor park that I had no idea was there. None. So we're like walking one day. I've walked through this town a million times at this point. And my husband's like, oh, this is the Arboretum area. I was like, what? What? <laughs> I mean, this is you know several years in. So there are always new things to discover and new things to try. And as somebody I've had on my podcast has pointed out, his name's Cordell Glass. And he said something to the effect of outside is always new because outside is always changing. Even if you go and do the same exact walking path in the woods behind your house or wherever every single day for the rest of your life, you will each day encounter something new on that because each day there will be a new butterfly or the tree will have fallen down or whatever. Mm -hmm. And whether you see new things or not is entirely up to how much attention you are paying to what you're doing. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so fascinating. And yet, duh, right? (laughs) 
Sometimes we make it so complicated. It's just as simple as doing the same things over and over again, but being aware. Right. Well, I'm putting down the phone. That's hard for me. Oh, sure. Yeah. I did an auditory walk one day where the only thing I was supposed to do is like pay attention to the different sounds. And I had never done that before, but boy, I noticed so many different things that I'd never noticed while I'd been on the same hike over and over and over again. So I do think it does just that intentionality and awareness. It is constantly changing and there are always new things to observe and explore if you look for them. I've got an episode coming up on Humans Outside in like a month and a half that I just recorded with an author whose name is Annabelle Streets. Just like spoiler alert on my own stuff now. Her new book is called 52 Ways to Walk. Cool. And so she lays, it's almost like a devotional. If you've ever been like in a faith situation where people read devotionals, it's like that, but for walking. Mm -hmm. And each chapter lays out a different way to walk. So Walk by Sound is one of her chapters and talks about the science and reasons behind bothering to do this. One of her chapters is Take a Walk Backwards. I mean, there are 52 of them. Yeah. You have a lot of options. It's very inspirational read and made me really look at just going for a walk as not just going for a walk. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Part of the reason I created this podcast was for this purpose, right? That I wanted adventure to be accessible to everybody. That you don't have to go climb a mountain. You don't have to go backcountry through hiking. You don't have to go downhill skiing. You can do these things and have the benefits of adventure and outdoors in your neighborhood. It doesn't have to be these epic, really adventurous things. Because I think the icon for adventure, generally speaking, is mountain climbing or something crazy like that. So Yeah, or go see the Grand Canyon or go on a long road trip. And all of those things are great and valuable. And please do actually do that. Yes, please do. But there are so many more accessible things. So I live in an area where I'm literally surrounded by mountains. I live in the Matanuska Sistina Valley. And it's a valley because there are mountains everywhere. Okay. So if I didn't go climb a mountain or go play on some mountains, I would be missing out on something that's literally in my backyard. It does take attention and intention and planning to make those things happen. You know, it's probably three or four hours bare minimum to go do this. Okay. So they're still like setting aside time and making an event out of it. But that is in my backyard. And I know there are plenty of people listening to this who have similar topography or something that is not unlike that, whether that be a river you haven't explored or you could, or, you know, anything like that, that is literally in your backyard or adjacent to it that you're not doing because it's just takes too much work. And I would challenge you to look at it as however your brain works. So for me, that's a checklist to say, okay, like, what have we not done? What do we want to do? But to look at it as a way to experience where you already are in a new light. Yeah, I love that. That's great advice. Amy, I want to allow you to talk a little bit about how people can interact with your brand and engage potentially in this challenge or what kind of things are you offering on your podcast? First of all, I'm going to tell everybody, go check it out, go subscribe, go leave her a written review because you listen to podcasts and you should do that anyway. I don't want to say should. You will enjoy it is what I want to say. But if someone wanted to go deeper other than listen to your podcast, how else could they participate in learning from you or doing things alongside of you or participating in the challenge like you have done? Yeah. Thank you for giving me a chance to talk about this. So of course, Humans Outside is the podcast and then Humans Outside on Facebook and Instagram are the primary social media place. You can also hear the podcast on YouTube, although I will warn you, it's just audio with the picture from the podcast. So As for the challenge, 
there are a couple of ways to do this, right? So the Humans Outside 365 Challenge is at its core a push to get you outside every day for a certain amount of time. For me, that is 20 minutes. That's the time I set. I would encourage you to pick an amount of time and stick to it and pick, as we discussed, an amount of time that you'll actually do. Maybe for you, that's more like 15, but I feel that 20 minutes is a good middle ground. So pick an amount of time that you want to do and then go outside and do it every day for a year. Set that goal and work towards that 365 days in a row of heading outside even for 20 minutes to see what is out there for you. If you need some help and a little bit of push, because for those of us who have read Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies, you know that not everybody in the land is an upholder. And some of us just need somebody to inspire us and push us along and remind us that this is what we're going to do. And that's totally valid and totally fine. And so, so many people need that. In that vein, I have created the Humans Outside 365 Challenge tickets where you can purchase a ticket to the challenge, which essentially gives you that push over time. I send you monthly reminders and a newsletter full of my own tips and tricks that I write just for challenge participants. You can order a level that comes with a finisher decal that you can you know, give yourself as a reward afterwards because some of us just like rewards. <laughs> That's totally fine and totally valid. A couple of the other levels come with varying types of swag. So if you want to order the level that comes with a finisher medal, you can do that. I've also got a really cozy, cozy humans outside buff that I just love. You can order that. And then all of these come with a guide for getting started. That includes things like what to wear when it's cold considerations for how to do the challenge, frequently asked questions, discussion of what counts as outside, because I promise you are going to ask yourself that question. (laughs) You know, does my covered porch count as outside? Does sitting on my porch doing nothing count as outside? Does riding in the car with the windows down count as outside? (laughs) What about sleeping in a tent? It will go on forever. So that guide addresses those things. And that's available on humansoutside.com. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on, for sharing your story. And I think truly, I want my listeners to go follow you because there has just been a wealth of learning that I've had. And I I consider myself a relatively adventurous mom. And I still am finding inspiration from your work. I do have to chuckle about the medal because I went online and I was like, oh my gosh, there's a medal. Having run a marathon before, you know, like you get the finisher medal and everyone's like, oh, did you win? And you're like, yep, I won. (laughs) There's no chance I beat anyone in the race, but the finisher medal does have merit. It does. I love me a finisher medal. So that was sort of like all about Amy a little bit, but yeah, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, all of this is just to inspire you to get outside the way I was inspired to get outside because I saw the benefits for me. And when you find something like that, like it's time not to keep it a secret. It's time to share it with anyone you can, because It had such a wide ranging impact on who I am in this world, how I see myself and how I can lead my family and impact my community. And so I would really like to share that with everyone. That's the whole point. Thank you, Amy. Gosh, for that vulnerable, honest, open and just very real conversation about the journey you've been on and where it's led you to. For this episode, I have 12 key takeaways. Number one. Alaska is full of people looking to get away from something and experience a fresh start. While there were many reasons that led Amy's family to move to Alaska, you don't need to move to Alaska to experience the transformation of spending time outside. A change in mindset can be experienced anywhere. Sometimes that is easier to do with a change of scenery. 
Number two, we are conditioned to do things as humans that make us feel good. It is a great day when the things that feel good are also good for you. Number three, there is therapeutic adventure and there is adventure therapy. Going outside makes you feel good and one is using a licensed mental health clinician to work with you through the adventure experience. Number four, after a year of living in Alaska where the purpose for the move was to be outside more, she wasn't actually leaning into that reality. She challenged herself on Memorial Day 2017 to go outside every single day between then and Labor Day. Number five, at the end of the three plus month experiment of going outside every day, she realized she liked the experience. She felt better and like how many new things she had done. She wondered what would happen if she kept doing it for an entire year. Number six, to mimic the happiness project by Gretchen Rubin, Amy decided to create rules she would follow as part of her everyday outside challenge. This was critical for her success to create meaningful benefit. Number seven, one of the rules she created was to define what counted as an outdoor time every single day. After some research, a healthy dosage of outside time was 20 minutes, combined with the fact that 20 minutes was an amount of time that she would actually do. Her accountability was to post a picture every day on Instagram, and she began using the hashtag humansoutside365 as a way to find her photos afterwards. Number eight, outside is outside. The challenge gave her permission to just be outside and do whatever she wanted. She did want to push herself to try new things, such as cross-country skiing, dog sledding, and many other things. She signed up for a course called Becoming an Outdoors Woman, which is offered, she believes, in every state by the Fish and Game Department. In Alaska, they had a three-day retreat, which exposed her to many experiences, some that she loved, like chainsawing, and others that she hopes she never does again, like skinning and hide prep. Number 10, when you realize what is outside your back door, you are intentional about exploring it, so the more opportunities open up to you. The practice is being aware and intentional. Number 11, outside is always new, because outside is always changing. Even if you do the same trail, the rest of your life, you will encounter something new on the trail. And whether you see something new or not depends on how much attention you are paying to what you are doing. Number 12, while mountains and the Grand Canyon are all epic adventures and they are great, Amy challenges us to experience adventures where we already are in a new light. If these activities or this challenge or any of these resources sound exciting, head on over to my website. So I will say I have a quite a few actually resources listed from this episode because she mentioned so many different resources. And I will note, out of full transparency, several of these resources are affiliate links. I have noted them in the website. If you click on them because I am sharing them or Amy shared them, it's something that we value and you think you may enjoy. I will get a small commission in return. I want to be really transparent about that. But I also want you to know the only way I get a kickback is if you actually purchase. So I am not sponsored. I'm not being paid to say any of these things or to promote any of these things. These are being shared because we valued the resources and talked about them in this episode. You can follow Amy on her website, humansoutside.com, or on Facebook or Instagram as mentioned in the episode. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I hope maybe in this next week you find time to get outside. Maybe it's an hour. Maybe it's 20 minutes. Either way, I challenge you to do as Amy said, to experience an adventure where you already are in a new light. Until next time, keep on adventuring. 
found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.